Hey friends, welcome to this week's episode. You're gonna love it, it's a great one. But you know what, before we get there, I wanna tell you about chemistry staffing. You know, you might be at the place where you're thinking about a transition. You might be thinking about what is your next ministry step. And frankly, if you were to reach out to me, I would say, you know what you should do? You should talk to my friends over at Chemistry Staffing. They want to help you find a fantastic long-term fit. That is what I love about them. They're trying to help leaders like you sit in a place, be in a place that's great for you long-term. But what I want you to do, you might not be there now. What I want you to do though, is I want you to go over to chemistrystaffing.com forward slash unseminary, where you can download one PDF that contains two eBooks, when to leave and before you go. Even if you're thinking about these issues, it's probably good to spend some time processing that, thinking about it. And these two resources will help you do it. These two books are probably the best resource for ministry leaders out there. They're completely free, who are wrestling through whether it's time for them to move on. Now would be a good time for you to check these things out. Again, I'm so convinced that our friends at Chemistry Staffing will help you find a good long-term fit. You can trust them. They're good brokers. They're, they're good friends along this journey. So drop by chemistrystaffing.com forward slash unseminary and pick up the two eBooks all in one when to leave and before you go both resources to help you wrestle through friends ministry transitions are a part of ministry life and so if you're thinking about those today one of the first things i would say to you is hey you should reach out to my friends over at chemistry staffing i know they'll help you find uh, a great long-term fit again that's chemistrystaffing.com forward slash unseminary today are you looking for practical ministry help to inform and inspire your leadership Do you have a sinking feeling that your ministry training didn't prepare you for the real world? Hey, you're not alone. Join thousands of other leaders in pursuit of stuff you wish they taught in seminary. Welcome to the Unseminary Podcast, presented by CDF Capital, helping churches grow. Visit them at cdf.capital forward slash unseminary. Well, hey, friends, welcome to the Unseminary Podcast. Super excited for today's interview. We have a repeat guest. And friends, you know, we don't do a lot of repeat guests here at Unseminary, but uh, this guest is one of those people I said, listen, anytime you want to come on, you let me know because I would love to have you on. So we've got Rusty George. He is the lead pastor of Real Life Church, a multi-state church in Southern California. He is a global speaker, a leader, and teacher focusing on making real life simple. He's the author of uh, several books. He has a weekly podcast called Leading Simple with Rusty George. So I knew he's, his sound would at least be great. I know that. And he's just recently actually released a, an online course, which is a part of why I wanted to have him on to really wrestle th- this through. Uh, but Rusty, welcome to the show. So glad you're here. Boy, it's an honor to be back. Thank you so much. I'm a big fan of the show and uh, it's great to be on again. No, it's so great to, to connect. But why don't you fill out the picture there a little bit? What did I miss? What was... Uh, you know, what, yeah, what didn't I talk about? How fill out the picture a little bit. Yeah. So I I did not grow up in California. Everybody wants to know if that's where I'm from, but I'm not. Uh, California was always a place you'd visit, not a place you'd live from where I come from. (laughs) Uh, so I'm from Kansas and grew up there and, uh, worked in Kentucky for a few years. That's where a little bit of my accent comes from as the people out here like to tell me. Moved out to California, took over a church uh, that Kyle Eidelman started uh, and did just an incredible job and Mm -hmm. felt like he did what he was called to do. And he left. I came out and it was almost three years old, meeting in a movie theater and had great momentum already. And uh, we just were able to to have some really fun years of life in movie theaters and then high schools and building a building and moving in. And I remember having a conversation with a guy 
who's a, uh, a seasoned veteran as a pastor, probably been leading for 40 years at the time. Mm-hmm. And I was all excited because we just moved in a new building. And so, you know, everything was up and to the right and everybody was happy. Sure. And, uh, it was great. And he looked at me and he said, man, you're going to see some things. And I said, what do you mean? He said, hmm. anytime you take a beachhead against the enemy, the enemy right. notices and right. you, you just need to prepare yourself you're going to see some things. And over the next 10 years, we did. We just saw our share of of wins, of highs, but also deep lows. And uh, seminary did not prepare me for that. That's why no, I love your podcast. No. <laughs> um, but it, it left me, you know, kind of wrestling with, you know, my own calling. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, you ask a lot of deep questions like, is this my fault? Um, you always second guess yourself. Should I have done something differently? Um, mm-hmm. And you just learn a lot through that. So we had uh, a, a lot of difficult times, a lot of great times too, but it's been 20 years now at the church and uh, we still believe our best days are ahead. I love it. I'd love to actually talk a little bit more about that and get dig in a little bit, okay, if that's okay, around some of that, you know, that more negative stuff. I think this is one of those things we often, you know, we love to celebrate when things go well. We love to look at a, you know, a church like Real Life, which is, you know, has had huge impact, continues to have huge impact. Uh, but there's the, you know, there's the, you pull up the rock and look underneath and there's like, Ooh, there's some stuff under there. That's not so pretty. Fill out that picture a little bit. Talk us through those things. Yeah. I remember in my early days of ministry, I love to quiz pastors about, Hey, tell me, how'd you grow? You know, how'd you win? How'd you succeed? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we all look for those stories, right? Cause we think there's some kind of silver bullet out there. that's going to make everything great. But now that I'm older, I like to ask guys, tell me how you failed. Uh, mm-hmm. how I can learn from that. And so mm-hmm. I'm pretty open about sharing anything that we've done wrong or we've experienced that was difficult. Um, I, I think, you know, we had a variety of things happen. We had uh, a couple of moral failures that happened on staff that had never happened up until that point. We prided ourselves on this will never happen here. Uh, mm-hmm. We're such a spiritual group of people and, uh, you know, we love the Lord, but the reality is no matter how many uh things you put in the staff handbook, how many Billy Graham rules you have, that only works Mm -hmm. for people that really want to stay faithful in their marriages. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. people would put themselves in compromising positions and they'd make bad decisions. Uh, And unfortunately, in a couple of those situations, it ended in two separate suicides that we had Mm -hmm. to walk through as a church. And so uh, that brought with it a lot of negative press about our church and what's really going on there. And I told you they weren't really teaching the Bible. They're not very spiritual. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so you have internal discord, you have, mm-hmm. you have grief on staff, and then you have, uh, you know, these, this, uh, uh, the, the communities lashing out at you as to, I thought you guys mm-hmm. had it all together. And so it became a great opportunity for us to talk about, no, we do not have it all together. Right. And we are broken people and we're all trying to figure this out. And so let's lean into the mental health side of things and see if we can help people who are struggling with suicide ideation. And, and we were able to do that. We've had um, some yeah. staff drama of, uh, you know, a couple of staff members get arrested for various things, oh whether it's, uh, you know, somebody, uh, and, and this is the thing about growing churches is when you go after reaching unchurched people and you start to reach them, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> then you yes. want to hire them. Yes. And oftentimes yes. they're, they're past, even though it's forgiven by God, it's not over with in, uh, mm-hmm. you know, our day and age and it catches up to them. Uh, and that's such a unique dynamic when people from your yes. church come on staff and, you know, you've seen this and suddenly your, your, your boss is, or your pastor is now your boss. Suddenly your place of worship right. is your place of work. And mm-hmm. it just gets weird. And 
whatever's in you comes out of you. It kind of squeezes out. And, mm-hmm. and we just saw that, that some of that just happened and we had to kind of pick up the pieces of that. Uh, we right. had rapid growth and thus, um, a, a lot of, we had to hire a lot of new staff and there became kind of this civil war on staff between the people mm-hmm. that were there before the building and the people after right. the building. And right. how do you bridge that gap? And, so those are just a few of the lowlights, so to speak, and, uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> things we yeah. had to deal with. Well, it is interesting. You know, one of the co- in other contexts I've talked about a similar dynamic where as the church grows at the senior level, it's not like you deal with less people issues. It's you have just as many people issues, but, and, and like pastoral crisis kind of situations in people's lives. But what ends up, at least my experience of it has been, as the church grows, you end up obviously building systems and have people that handle, you know, the normal stuff that handle kind of normal crisis in people's lives. But then the most complex stuff still continues to bubble up to, you know, the senior leaders in in the church, and you don't ever get away. At least my experience is, you just never get away from that. That is, that's yeah. a normal piece of the puzzle. That you're exactly right. I remember hearing from a seasoned pastor, a guy by the name of Bob Russell, tell me, mm. "Hey, everything at our church was amazing." And I would say, I think he said, "80 percent of everything at Southeast was incredible, and 15 percent <laughs> was bad, and five percent was awful." And he said, yes. "What do you think I spent most of my time thinking about?" Yeah, and I said, "Yeah, five yeah. percent." It's kind of like uh, I think it was President Obama said. When stuff lands on your desk, you realize nobody else could handle it. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So it's when, true. when it gets to the senior pastor's desk, you're like, oh my goodness. And and really, it's the executive pastor that gets it first. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we had a great XP through all of that, that, mm-hmm. that shouldered a lot of that. Um, mm-hmm. And then, you know, he would call me in when, when only I needed to deal with it or needed to know. But what I failed to recognize was even though I was dealing with my own kind of internal pain and crisis and all mm-hmm. that he was dealing with even more because he was carrying a weight of protecting me but also protecting the staff and that eventually led to burnout for him and we got him help and he's fine now but you have to remember that that your staff takes uh, it takes a toll on them as well yeah i love um one of the things you say in your in your online course i probably don't love this that's the wrong way to say it but it resonates to be true in my life you're either uh in a crisis or heading towards one and and i think post pandemic this has become true for all of us like we we can see this right like we were it was not that long ago uh that you know we had the silicon valley bank you know you know, failure. And it was fascinating. That was an interesting little crisis. That was an external, not a little crisis, a crisis that was external. I remember reading about this thinking, oh, that's kind of interesting. And then literally within about 48 hours, I heard of multiple people who are pretty close to me, who that was having an impact on them. It wasn't like, it wasn't just like this, like theoretical, something you read in the paper. It's like that thing rippled out and it was like, well, uh, all of our, you know, you know, I knew this one church where their, like their payroll company had their money in SVP was, and so they were using them as the clearing. And like, you know, it's, it's interesting how these crises, they come, you know, to us and we've all seen this for sure, you know, post pandemic, mm-hmm. but let's talk about that around how do, how do we manage it as, you know, as ourselves, what would be some of the, how, how do we, as the leader in the midst of all this, um, you know, it's kind of like doing your kids diapers. I remember people would say like, oh, it's different when it's your kids. 
And I was like, no, it's not any different. They're just, no one else is going to do it. Like no one, no one else is going to change their diapers. So you have to change them. The same is there's some similar dynamics with crisis. Like it's not that it's, you're the person that happens to be the executive pastor or the lead pastor. And so it's your job. How do I manage the crisis if I'm in the middle of it? How do I manage the impact on myself? Yeah. And this is one of the things we cover in the courses. You have to think about it from a variety of concentric circles. The first mm-hmm. one is who's the closest to the blast zone. Like in mm. the case of, of of a suicide, it was a family involved in that uh, this one individual had taken his life, and now you know his wife had found him. His kids are coming home from school in a few hours. Oh We're over there on site trying to help out. Okay, what does this family need first? Okay, so that's the that's the biggest thing. How can we help them? But then there's mm-hmm. a second tier of okay, what about our staff? Because they're going to need to know about this. And so how do we assemble? Uh, the staff together uh, without just, you know, sending out a text to everybody, but get them in a room. And how do we, you know, and and then there's that delicate balance of what's our story to tell? What do we tell? What do we Mm -hmm. not tell? Because Mm -hmm. the wife has what, you know, what she needs to say and, and all of that. Everything in me wanted to to deal with the neighbors who were calling and the people that were coming out of their houses Mm -hmm. and, you know, but they they weren't on my radar just yet. So then it goes Mm -hmm. from staff into the church. What does the church need to know? And then from the church out to the community, what does the community need to know? And there's different checkpoints along the way. And I, I think, uh, you know, for myself and for our executive pastor, we just decided, okay, we are locked in on these concentric circles mm. and we'll just put kind of a date on the calendar about three weeks out when we'll get back to our grief. I'll, mm. I'll, I'll give you an example. We had a, another crisis we went through. We had a school shooting in our community mm which uh, took the life of one of the kids from our church um, and, and injured another. And so it, it was a huge issue, obviously, in our community, but it really devastated our church. And, and truthfully, for me, I happened to be in the hospital room when they broke the news to the mom that her daughter had died. And I, I, I will never forget that sound. No, and but I no. had to put a pin in it. I had to kind of put it aside and say, mm. I'll deal with this in about three weeks. And this mm-hmm. is something we talk about in the video as well. And I got this from some other high level leader. He said the, the life cycle of a crisis in a church for people of the church or the community is only two weeks because mm. they're so selfish. They got to get back to their own crisis. Okay. okay. <laughs> Which it's is probably some it, truth to that. There's a lot of truth to that. And we would often yeah. joke about long before these horrible crises that put, you know, put a, a mark on the calendar two weeks from now, this will no longer be that big of an issue because mm-hmm. there's other stuff that comes up. And so mm-hmm. to be able to say, I'm in full crisis management mode now, but in two weeks, I got to deal with this myself, which I went to grief counseling over it, went to, you know, kind of the PTSD stuff. What did that do to me and my psyche? And how do I heal up from this? Taking some time off for some of your se- senior staff le- leaders that were kind of in on this. That helped us kind of process, all right, where's our energy going to go? Because you only get so much. You only get so many hours of the day. How are we going to work these concentric circles to benefit as many people as possible? Okay. Uh, yeah, I love that. Uh, I think that's really good. You know, even as we're thinking about our people, like, hey, we let's put a pin in it and then let's loop back on this two or three weeks from now. We need to deal with this situation, what's yes. immediately here, and then let's come back to it. Can we talk about moral failures? You mentioned this and yep. you know, you had this unfortunately, this is one of those things that has gone through so many of our churches and we've you know, we've we've dealt with this in so many ways. One of the one of my concerns, I would say, uh, having watched this in even some of the churches I've worked with, it's you know, it has racked the the church is 
you know, there's this spectrum here where leaders make, um, you know, you start with like maybe silly decisions and then it's like unwise and then foolish. And then eventually you trip over the line of sin. Like it goes from being like, okay, these were, this was a stupid idea. Like I shouldn't have, I shouldn't have texted her that extra time, or I shouldn't have, you know, I said, I was like a weird joke. And then eventually you step over the line to sin. And then on the other end of the spectrum, it's like evil, like you do terrible, terrible things, you know, to, you now avoid, you know, you're layering sin upon sin to try to avoid detection and all that. One of the things that I found interesting is as moral failure comes out, and there is a question here, it's not me just making statements, as moral failure comes out, there's so much cancel culture that goes on now, right? There's so much like, we're going to flush these people out. And I, I think responsibility is important. I'm not saying that we shouldn't, people shouldn't take responsibility. I have a high value on that as a person that's in the church. But my, I think what happens every time that happens, when we, we kind of, these people get flushed away, is people who have made silly, unwise, foolish decisions it gets stuffed down deep. They're like, I'm not talking to anybody about this. I'm not, I am not. And and then ironically, it actually, I think, can propagate even more. So talk me through moral failure. What should we be thinking about as maybe something's on our doorstep? There is actually, you know, a, a, a leader's come to you and said, I, listen, I stepped on somewhere I shouldn't have. Um, or it's maybe even, you know, you just sense like there's something awry with a team member, that kind of thing. It, Talk us through some of your experience on that front. Yeah, that's a that's a great question. And, you know, as one of my counselors told me after our our second suicide from an individual that was one of our campus pastors, <clears throat> we we uncovered uh, a bunch of stuff that we did not know about. Anyway, my counselor says to me, you can influence the heart of man, but you cannot control it. At mm-hmm. some point, they're going to do what they want to do. And I remember in a couple of these instances that we began to notice some strange kind of interaction between two people on staff. <clears throat> we immediately removed them from working with each other. Um, we we uh, we sat down with one individual, and it was a bit of an intervention. He asked us for help. We granted help. We provided counseling. We separated that job out. Nothing had, had come up that was fireable yet. So you don't want to just start, mm-hmm. you know, uh, firing at everybody because sometimes mm-hmm. they're, they didn't even know that they were being, you know, groomed or whatever. So you begin to to try to to mitigate that a little bit anyway. But at the end of the day, they, they make the decisions they make. Mm-hmm. And so I think the next question becomes, then how much do you share? Because everybody mm-hmm. in your church wants to know every bit of the details. Because we do mm-hmm. live in a culture where it's it's all accessible, right? And so I, I think in the situation of, of one of those suicides, what we unearthed later, I did not know ahead of time. And I became accused of you're hiding stuff. I didn't hide anything. I didn't know anything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so, mm-hmm. but it, you know, I think from stage, instead of coming out and airing all the dirty laundry, because there's families involved, there's kids involved, mm-hmm. there's you know, uh, people watching from their hometown, you know, during this time, you have to kind of say, listen, we don't know all the facts. We're learning as we go, but here's what we do know. And you just need to know, I'm not going to tell you everything, but I'm going to tell you what you need to know. And you need to know that we're going to do this with integrity and we're going to find out what we need to find out. And we're going to help the people involved. Larry Osborne gave me some great advice many years ago. He said, have the conversation now with your eldership. What are we going to do in the moment of a moral failure? Because it's going to happen. Oh, that's good. And if you have the conversation before it happens, then you don't have people picking sides. Because what will happen is half of your people want grace, the other half want justice. So go ahead and come up with a plan. This is what we're going to do. 
another thing we offer on the course. So you can look through, all right, in this moment, this person gets counseling, this person gets to stay, this person loses their job, uh, all those kind of things. But at the end of the day, you can only do as much as you can do because they make their own decisions. Yeah. Talk us through that a little bit. Cause I do feel like that to me is like at the nub of the issue, which is like how, I, I guess I assumed when I started in ministry, I early on, I, I was coached by some great leaders who said, listen, once you decide to be in ministry, your private life is of public consequence that, you know, you, you pick to do this. And so if, uh, you know, what you do with your private time is actually, uh, is relevant to your ministry. And so how do we, and I get that, that's like, I think an interesting principle for me to live by, but I also understand on the other side, we want to guard people and we want to provide a certain amount. We're trying to balance off that grace and truth. Help me kind of divide out the lines there for me a little bit. Help me understand that. Well, if I had a good answer for that, I'd market that. I, I think, <laughs> <laughs> I think right. that it's different for everybody. It's a bell-shaped curve. You have people on each yep. end that want to know nothing and those that want to know everything. And somewhere in the middle is a, a healthy balance. Right. You know, I think I, I would start with your, you know, telling your staff, let's, let's watch what we post on social media. I'm yep. glad that you're out with your friends and having a good time, but it may not need mm-hmm. to be a picture of all of you holding beer bottles just because we have yes. so many people recovering in our church. Yes. I don't care if you drink that's, that, you know, mm-hmm. that's every church makes their own decision on that, but let's, let's keep in mind what the, uh, the larger scope actually sees. And let's just, let's just have a, a core value of, we're going to be honest about things. And this is so much better now than it was 30 years ago because yes. pastors are so more likely to talk about their own therapy, their own sin mm-hmm. issues, their own problems. And so now it becomes a, I think I can lean in. I think I can trust. Um, I, I think in these situations, uh, people, they don't need to know you're perfect. They, they like to know you're real. They just know that they, they want to know that you're acknowledging your stuff and moving ahead. So I think in these situations, you know, with your staff and, and with your church, you're constantly educating them that, no, we're not perfect. We don't have it all together. Um, we're learning as we go. Uh, little things like I always tell, you know, lead pastors, don't tell people to be in a small group if you're not in one. And don't right, lead it. Right. You know, be in one. Be subject right. to one. Uh, right. uh, don't tell people to go to counseling if you don't go, because you need someone right. to talk to and you know, and and talk about that from time to time. So it's just modeling it. I think goes a long ways, and that prepares you for when there might be a problem to say, uh, "Yeah, we had a, we had an incident, and this is what we're doing." Now, granted, there are going to be people that say, "I can't believe you fired him for that offense." Right. right. But. Yeah, that's church policy. That's just what we yeah. do uh, mm-hmm. in that particular case. Now you need to know we're taking care of them, and we're we're helping the family along the way, uh, and I'll I'll be with them through that process. But that's the the complicated thing of being a pastor. You wear so many hats. Sometimes you're CEO, yes. sometimes you're pastor, sometimes you're therapist. Uh, yep. But it just it's different every time. Yeah, and I I love that advice. I think that's so so smart around like, hey, we need to have it's like we have to cop have to cop we have to have the conversation before we have to have the conversation. Like Mm. let's define a bit of what the boundaries are here. Let's talk that through and agree on that before we get to the point where like, where is that crisis manual again? Can I pull (laughs) that off the shelf? Like now's the time to talk about that. I think that's so good. I remember years ago, there was a, there was a, um, two people on our staff who, um, you know, we were away at this retreat and it was like, um, I just was like, okay, they're, you're a little too cozy. You're just yep. a little too cozy. And so these were both people that I deeply respected people that worked for me. And, um, 
you know, on Monday, I pulled him in to my office and I said, Hey guys, like I, I, I'm not accusing you of anything, but I just want to tell you the things I saw. And here are the three or four different things that I saw that were, that, that just rang bells inside of me. Like, I, I don't know that you're being the language I use was, I don't know that you're sending the message necessarily that, that you want to send. Um, and again, I'm not accusing you of anything, but this is where that's at. That took, man, I was like, and I was deep into my career when I did that. This was not like first five years thing. It was years <laughs> in, it was a, that was a hard conversation, but you know, it's interesting. Like I, um, the one person was super pissed. Like, I can't believe like you're, you know, yeah. you're accusing me of everything. And yeah. I'm like, no, I'm not, not accusing you of anything. This is, I'm telling you what I saw. And the other person was really quiet and then looped back around a couple of days later and said, you know, Rich, I really appreciate you flagging yeah. that. I said, you know, you read it exactly right. I, you know, things were not, nothing has happened, but like I, this was a sobering moment for me <laughs> and I appreciated that. Or I was like, oh good. Like that's, you know, Hey, the, you know, that's heading in the right direction. Um, but having those hard conversations are really, really tough. I think well, the moral issue thing is t- so hard. What a valuable thing for them to be able to do that because, first of all, you're safeguarding the church. We have to always think about that. Yes. But but you're yeah. also maybe preventing them from going down a road that they think, oh, I've gone down too far now and now I'm stuck. A couple of indicators I look for in people now. I mean, yeah. obviously, those situations are red flags. But there's a couple of others that I've just noticed. One is, does do they have any other friends? Um, you know, I, I often think about the people we let go on staff are often the people that didn't fit and they don't have any other friends on staff, or maybe they don't Mm. even have any other friends in the church of the same Mm. sex that they're, you know, they, they just have a a buddy relationship with somebody in their life that can call them on something. And the Mm. second one is, do they have any hobbies? I know that sounds like an outlier, but you know, if ministries are only world, they're going to get burned out really quick. And then they start Mm. making stupid decisions. And uh, we we all know from the host of podcasts that are out there chronicling the failures of people in ministry that, um, you know, it often is a result of a lack of friendship and a lack of hobbies. There's no right. there's no value to life other than their work. And then they end up resenting their work along the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so good. I remember years ago, similarly, another kind of flag that I've that has stuck with me. I was talking with a an individual who coaches a lot of people or counsels really a lot of people who have been through this kind of, um, you know, this kind of experience of moral failure. And I said, well, what, what are your things that, you know, what's your coaching to us as leaders? What's the kind of thing we should be looking for without, you know, looking for evil around every corner? Like, let's not get paranoid about it. And they said, you know, it's interesting. If you just listen to enough stories, you hear a lot of these relationships, if they go sideways with some sort of moral failure, it happens at conferences, away at a camp, away at like, there's some sort of like, we're, and so they were like, listen, just be aware on those kinds of things. Just be, which is interesting because that re- aligned with my other, that uh, my other kind of own personal experience where I was like, okay, that is interesting. Right. And they're like, it's just, that's just how life works. I thought, well, that's kind of interesting. That's well, this good. is just one of the kinds of, uh, you know, potential crisis, fun thing that churches get to, you know, to deal <laughs> with. There's a, a lot in this course that I, I really do think I, I listen, friends, I think this is one of those courses that you should be taking. Um, it should be the kind of thing that you're, you know, you're, at least from my perspective, you shouldn't wait till you're in a crisis to go through this kind of thing. This is kind of good. You know, let's get ahead with our senior leaders. There's lots of stuff listed in here. So that you talk about dealing with suicide, you talk about moral failure. Um, you talked about, um, you know, this, the tragedy of dealing with the school shooting, which unfortunately, like, it's just sad that that has to be in a course like this, like, but it's, mm-hmm. it's 
unfortunately way too common as you know, it should be. There's this whole issue of what do we deal with, you know, the press in these scenarios, man, there's a lot in this course. Talk to me a little bit about why you put this course together. Well, I just saw that, man, we had lived through so much and a lot of people were asking us about it. I had people will call up and say, Hey, we've got this suicide. What what do we do with, or we've got a a school shooting. Or I remember after our school shooting, uh, one of the ministers from Sandy Hook called me and said, Mm. how you doing? And I, man, that meant so much to me because Mm. he'd been through it. Um, and you know, we were able to reach out to Nashville just, uh, not long ago after their school shooting and, and provide some assistance. So just, I, I think it, it provides some, some healing when you get to share mm-hmm. your pain. So we deal with that. Uh, we deal with what do you do when people are leaving your church and it just wrecks your, your soul, which we've all been through that, uh, mm-hmm. being out here in California, you know, with the death of Kobe Bryant, even though he did not attend our church, uh, the loss of Kobe in the LA area was a huge thing. And he's, hmm. you know, what do you do when somebody dies? That's not always that honorable but yet your mm. people want you to honor them. Uh, mm. you know, how, how do you walk through that? Hmm. Um, and just staff stuff. I mean, everybody deals with just crazy staff stuff. If you've got a staff of two or 200, uh, right. people, people bring themselves to the workplace. So how do you manage that? And we deal a lot with internal stuff too, in the counseling that we dealt with. Hmm. Yeah, it's fascinating. Well, if people want to get this course, where do we want to send them online, uh, you know, to pick this up? Yeah, they can just go to my website, pastorrustygeorge.com. And for your listeners, Rich, if they use yeah. the code word unseminary, they get 50% off. So what? 50% that's off, baby. That's right. So that's uh, incredible. Just for you. Um, that's amazing. Thank um, you so much for that. What absolutely. Yeah. And we're having people buy it, not just for themselves, but they watch it with their teams or mm-hmm. they'll gift it to another pastor, which you can do that as well and say, Hey, I, I just want to make sure that you're taken care of. Should you go through something like this? Or maybe they are going through something like this. Well, it's interesting you say that because actually, as we were talking about this, I was like, man, if I was in a denomination, if I was a part of a network, if I was, a, you know, if I was in, if I had some leadership responsibility over a number of churches, I would gift this to all those people. I'd use that code and gift it to all of those people and say, hey, here is a great training resource that you can use. Um, you know, it is, uh, it's super helpful. I've had a chance to look through it. It's super helpful. Um, and, and, you know, put together in a winsome manner, that's not all like paranoid, paranoid, paranoid. It's like actually helpful. It's not, it's, this isn't hype. It's help. Um, it's not fear driven. It's faith driven, you know, it's, it's, uh, but full of lots of helpful resources. So I would highly recommend that people do that. Drop by pastorrustygeorge.com. Use that code, which is super gracious of you to, you know, to pick that up. Have you heard any, you know, kind of response back from church leaders as they've, started using it, anything that's kind of stuck, stuck out to them or anything that, you know, has kind of, has kind of resonated as they've, as they've been going through it. Yeah. I mean, obviously you hear from some people that say, oh yeah, that's great. I'll keep that as a bookmark for when I go through crisis. Uh, (laughs) But then the people that watch it say, oh, I'm so glad I saw that because now I see a few things that are coming uh, that I can Mm -hmm. hopefully prevent or avoid. And, And we deal with the things that we did right and the things we wish we would have done differently. Uh, to be able to to help some people uh, navigate some of those pitfalls that we didn't see coming. Yeah, I love it. And you know, and there, in exa- these kinds of situations when they come up at our church, they demand a ton of us. Uh, so taking time now ahead of time to actually mm-hmm. dig into them and think about them, man, it's that's the way you want to do that. Even just that one little bit, the one piece around moral failure. Hey, let's talk about this with our team before we get there. 
all of these things in a similar kind of category. I was in uh, an organization where it wasn't a church, but where we ran into a crisis situation where we literally had to get the crisis manual down off the shelf and look at it and go check by check. Okay. When do we call the cops? When do, you know, all of that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And man, if I hadn't looked at that stuff ahead of time, if I hadn't thought about that ahead of time, um, that would have been a terrifying moment. So this right. is a perfect course for that kind of thing to, cause you might not have, we, you know, I just blew past that. You might not have a, a crisis response, you know, kind of thought about as a church, and this could help you think through this ahead of time. So I would strongly encourage people to drop by, uh, pastor rusty pick up this, uh, today. Anything else you want to say just as we wrap up today's episode? Uh, just that I would uh, love to help out as many people as possible, not make the mistakes that I made, not deal with the grief that I dealt with so that we can hopefully uh, keep some guys in the game a lot longer uh, because our, our world is in need of so many more churches and not just churches that keep the doors open, but healthy, uh, thriving churches, which is why I'm such a fan of Unseminary. So thanks for what you do, Rich. Thanks, Rusty. Appreciate what you do. And thanks for being on the show today. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to the Unseminary Podcast. Drop by unseminary.com for more helpful resources for you and your team. There you will find articles, online courses, and so much more. Unseminary, stuff you wish they taught in seminary. Presented by CDF Capital. Visit them at cdf.capital forward slash unseminary.